In this episode, we're going to carry on our go bag discussion, our little questions there. I'm actually going to talk about some types of bags, different types, what to look for, and the quality construction of the bag. And I'm going to cover some of the things that I carry in different types of bags I have and why I carry them. You have to remember this is what I use because it's what I want and what is good for me. But there may be ideas in there for things that you might want to consider. We'll take a look at those, discuss them. I'll put some links in the show notes too for the bags that I use so you can find them and a few of the other items. These will all be on Amazon. I'm an affiliate there, but you can at least look and see the kind of stuff I use and why. And maybe that'll give you ideas and then you can shop around and see if there's things that you're interested in. So go bags 102 or part two. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. So there are many different types of bags out there and ways that you can carry things. And it's really up to you and what you want. You got to remember when it comes down to the whole gray man concept, this is where we're dabbling into the appearance issue and about the ways we blend in. But you have to figure out is whether or not the situation even matters. If you work in an office building and wear a suit and carry a briefcase to work every day, and that's what everybody does, but you decide to start carrying a small backpack, you're probably going to stand out because nobody else is doing that. That same person goes to a picnic with everybody from work and they're all carrying a small backpack because it's a picnic, but now you're carrying a briefcase. You're going to stand out because you look different. The question is, does it even matter to you? Most of the times when I talk about bags and their appearances is about what draws negative attention. I don't actually talk a lot about drawing attention because to some degree you may very well draw attention. You know, hikers carry backpacks. We get hikers out here all the time that are locals. Some people come here that are snowbirds, and then some people just come here because they're traveling and enjoying the summer, and they go hiking and have different types of bags. Well, it's not common to go to a place that has a short hike and see people carrying a bag at all, especially a large one, a large backpacking bag full of gear. Now, you might see that, and if you see it, it'll stand out because most of the people are wearing shorts and tennis shoes carrying a water bottle, and they're maybe not as prepared as they should be while somebody else looks like they're overprepared. Now, maybe they're doing some longer trip, but what can happen at that point is a conversation might start. So you have to figure out, do you even want to have a conversation with somebody? Why do you have all that gear? Well, that's up to you and why you've got it, but that's just an example of how a backpack in a certain environment might fit, but based on the time period you're there and the people are there, all of a sudden it stands out. Now, the things with backpacks are they come in different colors, shapes, sizes, and different makers, and you just got to figure out what's going to work best for you. It doesn't always matter what it looks like. Again, it's down to your own decision. Things to look for, though, if you're looking into backpacks, especially ones that are larger for backpacking, I always recommend going to backpacker.com. They do annual reviews of gears and top tens lists, and they have archives of that information on the website going back several years. Now, why they always review the newer, cooler stuff, a lot of the things that they have on there is quality, quality stuff that's still made. It's just not the new cool thing. Some of the boots and bags that I have that I found on that website as one of the places I found reviews, I bought many years ago and are still listed there as some of the top items you can get. Are there arguably better or newer technologies or items now? Of course there is. But the ones I have are great. And I don't use them enough to justify buying a new one every year or two. So one of the things I commonly get asked about are messenger bags. Well, the thing with messenger bags is I learned in the military that uh, carrying a lot of weight can wreak havoc on your body over time. 
I spent a lot of years walking long distances up and down hills carrying 100-plus-pound packs. Not the best plan in the world, but that's what we did, and it did cause issues with my body, part of the reason why I got some medical disabilities. The thing with the messenger bag is it goes only on one shoulder and hangs off the side of your body. The more weight you put into it, the more over time, even just wearing around for a little while, can start to cause issues whether temporarily permanent as far as your back goes and how the weight's distributed. So when I use a messenger bag, and I'll put a link down for the ones that I use, they're fairly cheap and inexpensive. They're decent canvas bags. You can waterproof them. You can, of course, put the wax on them. You can do whatever you want. When I carry the bag, there's actually not a lot of stuff in there. What I use those bags for is to carry a few extra items I might need in a situation or during a time period that I either don't want to carry directly on my body or is not conducive to the way I'm dressed or is maybe a little too much or a little too large of a size. So when I travel by vehicle, let's say I go visit my family for a couple weeks, there are items I put in there just to have a place to store them for when I go and make that trip that have nothing to do with what I'd use that bag for. So an example is inside the bag, I have usually a pistol, a camera, an iPad, a laptop, all the plugins and cords that go together. That's several pounds of weight. I would never carry all that around long-term, only in and out of a building, typically. It's just too much weight to carry around. So when you take those out of there, my bag is mostly empty. Most of the things I have in there are very small. I have a couple of writing utensils, including a Sharpie marker. I always have Sharpies because they'll write on just about anything if they're not wet. I use them in the military. You can write on skin. If your skin's wet, you can write on clothing. You can write just about anywhere as well as on your bag. Plus, I have some sort of pen and some sort of pencil. Occasionally, I'll have a highlighter. I usually have a small notebook. I also have a small first aid kit in addition to another tourniquet. I keep a small flashlight in there. And I keep a backup couple of batteries for the flashlight. And that's about all I keep in there most of the time, other than a few odds and ends every once in a while. The bag itself doesn't weigh much more with what I have in there than it does empty. The other advantage that gives me is all that free space so that if I acquire things or find things, if that's the situation I'm in, I have a simple bag off the side of my body I can put that in. And that's really all I do with it. I keep very little items in there and I have all that extra storage space to put things in and out of there. If I want to carry extra water, I could put it in there or snacks, what other items I need. It's meant to complement additional items than what I'm carrying on my person but also make some items more accessible that I may need more quickly that I'm not carrying in a backpack if I'm carrying a backpack. Now, one of the small backpacks I use, which they don't make anymore, but it's a really good bag. It's made by a company called Grey Ghost Gear. They make some really good bags that are fairly affordable in the $100 price range for the types of bags they are very well made. One of the bags I have is more of my get-home bag that I keep in my vehicle. Part of its design is to hold a taken-down rifle with a couple spare magazines. Now, even with that not in there, I have a 100-ounce bladder of water I keep in there, so that's almost three liters or three liters of water. I have another small first aid kit, another flashlight that's small, a signaling mirror, a piece of ES-17 panel. I got some 550 cord. On the outside of it, I have a shamog tied off, which if you don't know what that is, is one of the head wraps you see people wear in the Middle East. They're great in all kinds of weather. I keep a Tilly hat next to it that's foldable and collapsible that's great for wet weather environments. I keep a poncho in there. I keep usually a small type of survival book. I keep a blast match in there, which is just a one-handed fire starter. 
I also keep a life straw in there in case I run out of water and need to drink out of something nasty like a mud puddle. And I have two or three other small odds and ends like that. The entire idea of that bag is just to give me the basic things I need if I had to, say, broke down somewhere and had to walk a great distance without assistance, especially if I had to stay outside overnight. That's the entire purpose of what I made that bag for. May not be ideal for you, but that's the situation I'm in. I'm in a more remote location. Most of the travel I do when I leave town covers a distance where it's mostly remote, where it's entirely possible I don't see people for very long, or if I do, you know, how many of them are actually going to stop and help you out? So I keep things like that. I also keep a backup battery supply I've talked about before in there, just a power cell phone and anything else that I have. Now, another type of bag I have is I have a Gregory bags. Gregory is one of the larger manufacturers of backpacking type bags. If you're looking at bags like that, one thing I would suggest is you can see there's external and internal frames. The difference is whether or not you can see the frame. Internal frames tend to be a little bit better. They're usually a little bit lighter. They usually conform to your body better. Not always the case. Some people prefer external. I just like internal. They're all measured in liters of volume, just like a cooler is. And what I keep in there basically are camping supplies and enough materials to sustain me for several days if I didn't have a vehicle. If you're going to have a bag like that, no matter what it is, if you're familiar with camping at all or do some camping and get familiar with the idea, if you think it's something you would need to live out of, you need to think like camping. What do I need to survive if I'm camping and to be comfortable? And there's a long list of items that you can put in there. One of the things, though, when it comes to bags, you are going to get what you pay for. There's not a lot of bags in really cheaper price ranges I recommend unless that's your price range. If you're looking at smaller backpacks and you're needing to save money and, and you want to, you know, get something cheaper, I would definitely go to a store like Ross or Marshall's that sells brand new items that are out of season or have slight, slight uh, things wrong with them. They have a lot of bags like that there, and they tend to be a little bit cheaper than you'll find them at a place like Walmart. Part of the problem with the cheaper bags, especially the ones that look like military bags and have all the Molly webbing on them is they tend to be heavier, and it's more weight that's unnecessary. They're usually not as durable, meaning if you use them long enough, they're not going to hold up like some better bags. A lot of people like to get the military-style backpacks, even the larger ones that have Molly stuff on them, and that's fine if that's what you want. But when it comes down to the longevity of the bag, they're not going to hold up as much as newer bags that are nylon-made or types of nylon, like backpacking bags or newer nylon-type military bags. Part of the reason the old military Alice pack is so popular is how durable and how long it lasts. Those bags are a type of woven nylon, and you can get holes in them over many, many years of use, but they tend to be far lighter and last a lot longer than the ones that are made out of like Cordura-style material. And a lot of people don't realize that until you use them long enough. So it's just something to consider. It's nice to have extra pockets or to be able to strap things down and put things on. There's all that kind of stuff there. But they can become very heavy just with material before you put anything in them very, very quickly. And that's something you want to watch out for. Ounces are pounds. Pounds are sweat. Sweat is dehydration. So you just got to keep that in consideration and factor that in. If you're looking for quality bags and material and you have the money to spend, first thing to look for is anything that's triple stitched, which is hard to find. And they can be very expensive, but at least double stitched. Take a look at the stitching, see if the websites tell you the weight and types of threads that they use, or at least take a look at them and compare them to other bags. There are double stitch bags out there that are garbage because of the types of threads they use that do not hold up compared to some 
single stitch bags. So at least look for double stitch, but compare those threads and sizes. Triple stitch ones will, will cost you more. Brand names tend to be better, better made products when they're names that are associated with the world of that product. So for a larger backpack, big backpacking names are tend to be better items. When it comes to the smaller backpacks, it really just depends on the money you want to spend on them and how much weight you can tolerate carrying and what you're really going to use that bag for and put in there. So if you're putting a lot of things in there, they're going to start adding up to say 20, 25 pounds, you might want a lighter bag. In the world of ultralight backpacking, 25 pounds would be considered ultralight and some people can survive and live out of those for several days. So if you're carrying 25 pounds around as an everyday item, I would question seriously what all's in there and if you need it, unless it's just 25 pounds of whatever that you're carrying in and out of a building and that's what you do. But just remember, if you're going to keep all that stuff and you have to go on the move with that bag, it's going to be heavy and it's going to wear on you if you're not used to having it. I try to keep my backpacks like the one in my vehicle in the 10 to 15 pound range at most, not counting that rifle. And it goes up to 15 if that rifle's in there. So the bag itself, I try to keep it 10 pounds. While I'm capable of carrying a lot of weight, I have larger backpacks, I try to keep them at 45 or less, especially if they're built for long term. And then my messenger bags weigh far less than 10 pounds, probably in the five pound range with everything I have in there with the capability of getting more. The thing too, when you're picking a bag, weight is a huge factor. If, if you have more than five or six pounds you're carrying, if you're starting to cross that 10 pound line or even push closer to 15, I would recommend a small backpack just because you're putting it on two shoulders and very likely distributing the weight more evenly. The other thing about better made bags is the way they're designed tend to carry weight better. Simple example is there's a company out there that's, I believe, veteran owned called GORUCK, where it's getting people involved in using backpacks and basically going on walks and hike, which in the military we call rucking, and carrying the weight for fitness purposes. Big part of combat arms in the military. They sell their own bags and they are not cheap. In fact, I bought a couple of them last year. About a year ago, they went on sale for Memorial Day when they were developing a new design, and it went down to about $125 a bag. Now, that might sound like a lot, but for those bags, it's cheap. If you go look at their website, you're going to find out they got bags up in the $400 price range. Now, when you look at them on the internet, it's hard to tell that there's any difference. But since they're so easy to return, I went ahead and got one. When I got the bag and I first looked at it, it looked like a lot of common bags, but as soon as I touched it, I could tell the material was better was sewn together better, it had stronger materials in its construction, better threads being used, and it held its shape, which is a good sign for a bag. When I put it on even empty, I don't know what they did other than use their own experience and a lot of testing. But while it doesn't look different, as soon as I put it on, I realized, man, this thing felt great. Felt good. I could tell that it was staying right up on my shoulders without having to adjust the straps too much, whereas a lot of cheaper bags that don't hold their shape tend to droop down, and then you got to pull them up higher, and then they can become uncomfortable. These were very comfortable bags. I put weight in there of just objects or even one piece that was actually just a weighted plate for weight, and it held its shape and maintained its comfortability while I was wearing it, and I've worn them on walks and hikes many times. So there is something to be said about the quality bags. If you're able to get to a place that has bags of whatever type you're looking at and all different price ranges and sizes, I would definitely go there and try them on, wear them around the store. Stores like REI have tools in there to measure you to know the size of bag. If you're looking at a backpack, they usually sell them 
in a generic description of frame size. So you could be buying a larger bag of, say, 60 liters, but it'll have a small, medium, and large frame size, and you may not realize that, but that does exist. That's a sign of a better quality product. You go into those places, and there's a way they measure you. You can find this online as well to tell you, based on your body type, which one you fall into. It's a mistake to think that because you're six foot tall, you're always going to be a large. I know people are six foot tall that wear mediums. It's a mistake to think that if you're five foot two, you're going to need a small. I know people that size that wear mediums. It has to do with their torso and different measurements between their neck and the bottom part of their spine. So that's why you want to get sized for those. Smaller backpacks tend not to have that sizing option. But smaller backpacks, you'll probably get into a higher price range, but a better quality product when you set them on the ground with nothing in them and they keep their shape and don't collapse. That's a sign of a good bag. Now, messenger bags are always somewhat floppy and those canvas bags aren't going to hold their shape, but it's not necessarily required. I actually prefer it doesn't hold its shape because it kind of wraps around the curvature of my body when I'm wearing it, which is something I prefer. There are messenger bags, especially ones that are more weatherproof, more sturdy, built with padding and protection for, say, electronic devices or for camera equipment that tend to be a little bulkier, a little thicker, and do hold their shape. Nothing wrong with those bags. Just know that with all that extra material, it's adding a little bit of weight to that bag, which may be necessary depending on what you're carrying in it. This is why with the previous one, I talked so much about figuring out exactly what you needed the bag for how you're going to use it, and then starting to get ideas and identifying what's important to you to put in the bag, that's what can make the difference. That's why I have several bags for different purposes. You can very easily have one bag and just trade items in and out if that's what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, not something I do because I already had plenty of bags. Now, whether or not something's waterproof or water resistant depends on your needs. Thing is, if you're out in the desert like I am with low humidity, it may not seem that important, but depending on the type of clothing you're wearing and where it hangs off your body, especially if it's high up above your waistline or below your waistline, you can get sweat on that bag. Not saying that's a bad thing, but a lot of people don't clean their gear, and you should, especially your bags. You should learn how to clean them properly, whether or not they can be thrown in a washing machine, which a lot of them cannot. Because even if you don't get the rain, and all you're getting is, say, a little sweat on there, over time, that material in there, depending on your environment, can start to develop things like mold and bacteria. The other thing is, obviously, you probably want some sort of water-resistant material if you're carrying around a lot of expensive camera gear. Makes sense. You may not need that for other items. Or the items you carry in there, you may not care if they get that wet. But then again, depending on how long you're going to be out in the rainy Pacific Northwest, you might decide you just don't want to deal with having all that extra water in there. Not to mention how long you're out there for, because if it soaks up a lot of water, it can become heavier depending on the material. Canvas bags get a lot heavier than nylon when they get wet, although the nylon's going to suck it up a lot more. You get that water in there and you start getting that funky smell because you're getting that mold and the bacteria in there. That's an issue you might have to deal with. So if you want something water resistant, you just got to figure out, is the build construction of one with water resistance and padding and all that stuff something I need? If your answer is no... Then look at a lighter bag that's not water resistant so that you can apply some sort of water resistant material to it, whether or not it's a spray or saying canvas, it's one of those types of wax that you put on there. My suggestion is if you're trying bags out in a store and you're able to do so, here's what I would do. If you're looking at messenger bags, I would at least get a book that's a normal size book, hard back, pretty thick with some weight in it, like a college textbook. And I would take it with you, throw it in the messenger bag, 
and then try those messenger bags on and walk around the store and feel what that kind of weight feels like. That'll give you a good general idea. I would do the same thing in, in a smaller bag, especially if the smaller bag is not really expensive and it's lower quality than the higher end stuff. Nothing wrong with lower quality, but you'll get that weighted object in there that's going to sink to the bottom. Walk around with it, see what it feels like. When it comes to the larger bags, that can be more difficult to do in a store, but it's really going to come down to putting the bag on, make sure it's size right, using the belly band straps, and making sure you're wearing it properly, which they can instruct you to do. When it comes especially to bigger bags or smaller backpacks that are weighing over 15 pounds, what you'll want to learn about is how to properly pack the bag to balance the weight properly where the weight should be on your body in order to ensure it's dispersed evenly and correctly to minimize the effect it's going to have on your spine and lower back. Now, there are simple substitutions for certain things, like let's say you don't want to carry a messenger bag, but you do have a smooth fall items like that you want to carry. You can get fanny packs. There's many kinds out there. While you don't see a lot of people walking around with them anymore, they're actually big business item and things like fishing. A lot of fishermen wear bags that are essentially fanny packs designed for fishing. You can also find them for hunting. Find them by companies that make gear that looks like it's for the military. They're very commonly used. I have a couple that I use on occasion that I still have just to carry small items around. So that's a simple substitution. Part of it is also using your bags and your items in there, getting used to carrying them around. If you're, say, building a backpack to go camping, you want to, say, live out of it for three or four days just to try it, I would definitely put that together the first time. You know, take your car, go to a campsite, try to stay out of your car because you got to pretend like you don't have it, and then just live out of that backpack even for one day or two days at a common campground just to get used to the idea of what it's going to be like, realizing how clean you need to keep it. Learning simple things like when you take some sort of food product out of your bag, you don't want to open it over your bag because that the crumbs and all that stuff will get in there and then that'll draw on the bugs. Little things like that you have to learn to make sure you keep your area clean and realizing, wow, maybe I want to pack this differently. I got my weight distributed, but I need to work on that because I need to reach these other items. Getting so familiar with your bag that in the middle of the night, you can't see nothing and your flashlight's dead that you can stick your hand in there and grab the items you want. Those are the little things that make life a little easier and a little more comfortable in figuring out what you want to do and what you want to put in that bag and how you want to store it. You know, if you're, if you're building some sort of get-home bag for the idea that perhaps your vehicle breaks down and that you may have to walk a great distance or at least a few miles, that's very simple. Pack the bag how you want it, throw it on your back and go for a walk, walk with the kids, walk your dog, go a distance, two, three, four miles, see what it feels like. Think about what's in there. Think about what you wish was in there while you're on your walk. Maybe you didn't put any snacks in there and you're like, geez, I ate today, but for some reason I want a snack, not realizing how many more calories you burn. Then you go, okay, I'm going to start putting a couple of high calorie snacks in there. Or maybe you go on a hike and you're thinking, yeah, I got a water bladder in my bag, so I don't need a water bottle. You get two and a half miles down the road and you're like, oh yeah, but I should have filled up my bag. That's the time you want to learn that. So you're thinking about every time you go somewhere, you're filling your bag up. Not to mention that if you keep a bladder full of water and you keep it in your vehicle, no matter the type of environment you're in, you want to be checking that at least weekly, if not every few days, because it's not going to last forever. And depending on if the water bladder's new and the condition of it and how much you're using it, you can get mold and all kinds of things in there that can make you sick. So that's one reason. One of the things I carry is a very simple 32-ounce water bottle. The reason I carry that even when I have a bladder is in my bladder because of 
how easy it is to get contaminated. I never put anything but pure water in there. I don't even put hydration salts in there. Pure water only. It keeps those bags cleaner and safer. I use the water bottle if I want to mix up any hydration salts or powders or anything inside of water. I keep in that bottle. It's easier to clean. I'm going to use it more often and pay more attention to it. The other thing to think about too is extra items you would store in any bag, but how you want to use that item so you don't have to show people what's in your bag. So for example, I keep some form of money in all of my bags, but what I don't want to do, and this is just me personally, I don't want to take that bag out of my car when it gets stuck somewhere. I walk four miles down to a gas station. I walk through the store. I get myself a bottle of water and a granola bar or whatever, and I go up there, and then I have to set the bag down, open it up to find that credit card. Instead, what I would do is if I need to use that bag, I already know what's in there. So unless it's like some emergency situation where I'm just running from the car, first thing I do is take a look through the bag and look at everything that's in there, even if I just did it recently, to verify how much water and everything I have. Then any item in there that I normally would keep in my pocket I would take out. So for some reason, let's say I don't have any money on me, but I know I keep a prepaid credit card in there. I'm going to pull it out and put it in the pocket of my pants so that when I go to use it, I one, I don't have to take the bag off. Two, I don't have to run the risk of accidentally forgetting it because I'm not used to using it. And three, I don't have to open the bag in public or anywhere that's going to draw attention. If you need to do that, best thing to do would be go to a very private place like a public restroom where the door can close so that you can go through that bag. But even then, I still would rather do it somewhere better, like in the vehicle, before I take off. Another thing to remember, too, for all the people out there that own firearms that would carry some sort of firearm in a bag like this, if you're traveling outside your state, make sure you're familiar with your firearms laws so that you don't strap a pistol on and find out you can't do that in that state because your permit doesn't allow for it or they don't have open carry or they have a magazine capacity ban. Make sure you know what those rules are so that when you're in that area, Let's say your vehicle breaks down, you're out walking on the highway. It's really great that a cop showed up because they can get you the service and help you want, but at the same time you get a fine or get arrested because you are improperly carrying or using a firearm that violates their local laws and ordinances. Now, while there are many things you can carry in bags, these are just a few ideas from things I have that I did off the top of my head without looking at my bags because I know generally what's in there and what I add and take out is needed. You want to be that familiar with your bags and a lot more. There's always different things you can put in there. Just be careful about when you're listening to people talk about this. A lot of times people say stuff, I'll probably get comments here. Well, you forgot this. It's because for them, that item is something that's important to them that they think should be important to everybody. And sometimes it's to such a degree that if you don't find it important, they take that personally as though it matters to them. I just recommend that you figure out, like I did on the last video, what's the purpose of the bag and what kind of things do I need in there to meet that purpose? You know, not all bags need to have a water source in them. They just don't. If you have a bag, which is an entire purpose of that bag is similar to a briefcase, you just want a bag that's going to carry, you know, the papers and documents from work, maybe a backup power supply in case the power goes out, and a small first aid kit, and that's all you need, and that's perfect for you. And the entire purpose is just to carry things from your car to the office and back and into your house and back and forth from the car just so it's all in one place, it's not going to go anywhere, then that's not a situation that you need water. Perhaps you have extra water in your vehicle or in another bag. It's okay to have multiple bags. Just don't try to find the answer to everything and fit it all in one place, especially if you're not used to using it or carrying it. The biggest thing is to figure it out, 
Check out the types of bags and materials you want. Try a few things out. Find ways and safe environments to use the bags. Don't wait till you have a broke down vehicle to use a get home bag. Try walking around the block a couple miles with it and seeing what you do and don't need and how much it really weighs. You know, don't wait until that backpacking trip shows up with your buddies where you're going to go out for three days in a backpack after having 12 miles and you've never camped in your life. Try it out on your own first in a safe environment. You know, if you get that messenger bag, try it out in a store, especially a messenger bag, putting some serious weight in there and walking around with it for a while in the store while you're looking at other things, bending over, standing up, sitting down, moving around, climbing up and down stairs instead of taking the escalator elevator to figure out what it's going to feel like to carry that bag without amount of weight so you can figure out where do I sacrifice weight for equipment or where do I sacrifice for equipment for weight? And is those things, those decisions, are they even sacrifices? Those are the things you got to figure out on your own. So again, take a look down in the show notes. I'll put a link in for the few of the bags I use and a few items that may be of interest to you that you can check out. Definitely shop around before you just go buying straight from Amazon. There might be cheaper places. Fourth of July is coming up. Always remember to look for online shopping sales. And they'll always be around the holidays. So maybe some of these items will come up on sale soon. If you like this episode, don't forgive us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at, and don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublications.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.